Fog had descended early, rolling in across the Thames at Wapping, a mile downriver from Harry Salter's place, the Dark Man, where an old pier jutted out from Trenchard Street, an early Victorian pub standing back from it. There was a motor launch, painted blue and white, tied to the pier with two chains, giving it a permanent look, yet allowing the launch to ease itself in the five-knot current that was running that morning. The name of the boat was Moonglow, and the fact that the painted sign hanging outside the pub indicated that the landlord's name was George Moon amused many people. It didn't bother Moon, though. His family had owned the pub since Queen Victoria's reign, which made him proud, and he liked sleeping on board the launch as he had the night before. But now there was work to be done, which meant a visit to his office. He went up the steps from the pier, a small, insignificant, balding man in steel spectacles, clutching his raincoat across his body, an umbrella over his head, and approached the front door of the pub. Two notices faced him, one of which said, Closed for the winter, the other, Moon Enterprises Limited. And as he approached, the door was opened for him by his cousin Harold, a hard, brutal-looking man with the flattened nose of an ex-boxer. Right this morning, George. Posh geezer called twice on the house phone in the last half hour. Said he'd call back. So it'll keep, Moon said. I've told you before, you worry too much. I turned my mobile off. I just wanted to make sure you didn't miss out on anything tasty, Harold told him. I know, sunshine. George tweaked the big man's cheek. Now get me a mug of scrawling hot tin and Irish whiskey, and we'll wait for your posh geezer to turn up again. He was quiet in the bar, everything peaceful, bottles lined up against the Victorian mirrors behind the bar. This type of establishment would usually be a thieves' den for serious drinkers and drug users, but Moon had long since knocked that on the head. Development along the Thames had opened a whole new world, and his portfolio was considerable. Life was good. His mobile sounded, and he answered, Moon Enterprises. How grand that sounds, Mr. Moon. Harold had been right. A posh geezer indeed. Moon beckoned, putting his mobile on speaker so Harold could listen. Who is this? A master who is looking for a willing servant. I've just deposited £75,000 in your bank account as evidence of good faith. There could be other payments later. Do me a favour, Moon said. Go away and die somewhere. Do you think I believe that? I'll call you again in fifteen minutes. If you say no, I can cancel the deposit. But as I can't envisage your being that stupid, I don't think it likely. I suggest that you check with your bank. You're crazy on that, Moon said, turning to Harold. How'd you know? Harold said. You haven't been in touch with a bank. OK, just to keep you happy. Waste of time, though. He made the call, shrugging, and within minutes received the astonishing news. I can't believe it, he said hoarsely to Harold. What's this geezer's game? George, I couldn't care less. All I know is it's real money. Here. Yeah. Let me get you another whiskey, Harold said. Put a little lead in your pencil for when he gets back to you.
which the master did as Moon was drinking it. Satisfied, Mr. Moon. Who wouldn't be? So who are you, and what you want? What I want is your experience of the London underworld, like your family before you. Generations of thieves and river rats. How did Charles Dickens put it? Those who made a living finding corpses in the Thames on behalf of the river police. There is not a criminal enterprise you fail to touch on. I'm proud of it, Moon said. You've been especially busy running booze and cigarettes from Europe, but no drugs. You're too cunning for that, which is one reason I chose you. You've also done well with warehouse developments by the Thames, while Cousin Harold can haul in hoodlums by...